Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. It is the 4th of December, 2022. It is Sunday. We are here with Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs to discuss the big news. The TCU Horn Frogs are going to the going to the I almost said Big 12 Championship game. They are going to the college football playoff. They will be playing Michigan. They are the number three seed. We'll give our thoughts on how it happened, the matchup, everything that's coming up on the show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Joining us, it is Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs. Make sure you guys subscribe to both Locked On Big 12 and Locked On Horn Frogs on uh, YouTube. You guys can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Find Steven on Twitter at Steven Simcox. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Steven, we got the news, um, you know, kind of with the way the weekend played out. There wasn't too much concern about the Frogs getting in the playoff, but we've got it now. The second team of the Big 12 in history to make the college football playoff. The first team from the state of Texas to make the college football playoff. It is the TCU Horn Frogs. Were you sweating it out? How confident were you? Scale of one to ten. You know, I felt pretty good. I mean, we we kind of talked about it before we got on here. The USC loss was uh, so lopsided in a lot of ways that it really felt like okay, Ohio State was probably going to take that spot, and then it was really just down to TCU and Alabama. And I mean, there were a few of those uh, media members I saw last night that were making the case for Bama. I know Nick Saban like called into. Fox and kind of made his case for, for his football team. Um, but the two losses were really just too much to get over. I mean, it worked out really well for TCU between that and between the fact that I think the committee wanted to avoid Michigan and Ohio state um, rematching in the semifinals. It allowed them to stay at number three. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's super disappointing that they didn't get a big 12 title. Congrats to K state. They're a fantastic football mm-hmm. team. And they played well yesterday. Uh, but I think the way they were able to force overtime, you know, you saw Max Duggan lying on the ground. You know, it looked like, man, are we are we putting him through some sort of health scare right now? The way right. he's so fatigued. But they they left it all out there. They forced OT. Um, you know, if they're able to punch it in in that first overtime possession, maybe that won the football game. But bottom line is they lost to a top 10 team that they had beaten earlier in the season. So resume still held up pretty well. And, you know, now they got an opportunity. Um, I think it's good for the league. It shows that the Big 12, at least to the decision makers, is not as uh, disrespected as maybe it is across the country. And um, Michigan's a really physical team, really good team. But I think TCU, with three-plus weeks to prepare, is going to have a shot to go in there and and be competitive and make a game of it. Yeah, there's there's a lot to, to unpack here. First thing about TCU's the case, right? It, it turns out, in my opinion, even without the loss that USC suffered, TC was still probably in because of how well they played. And this is just a feature of the T- of TCU. And I'll, we'll see if it holds true against Michigan, too. Like, you can't blow them out. They're just impossible to blow out. And I'm really shocked because you and I previewed that game, the Big 12 championship game. You know, when it was close and it's it's kind of that, that crunch time, TCU's been so good this year and they – didn't execute in short yard situations. That's what cost them. But the game was going to be close. It ended up being close. It was a great game, and I still think they were pretty safe, regardless of what happened. You know, uh, you know, 
with because of what, the way they played, right? That really guaranteed their spot. About what this means for the Big 12, generally speaking, this is monumental because the Big 12 has had a team. And, and look, I know we're going to 12. All right. I know it's, it's eventually going to 12. But TCU, they have TCU go to the college football playoff as a non Big 12 champion. And you take a look at these rankings right now, Stephen, around them. It's all Big 10 and SEC, right? It's all Big 10 and SEC until you get to Utah and Clemson up there, uh, you know, at the latter part of the top 10. Just and, and then K State's there too, but they're surrounded by all these great, you know, these teams from great conferences. And um, I think it's impactful to have a team that's not Oklahoma make the Big Twelve play, uh, make the College Ball playoff. Excuse me. It's great that Cincinnati made it last year, yeah, but they they weren't in the league yet, right? So it's yeah. it's good the future team makes it, but they weren't in the league yet. It's fantastic to have a current member do it. Also to have a current member do it in the state of Texas when you've got AM and future, obviously, as we mentioned, future, uh, you know, SEC uh, member Texas there as well. It's huge to have them do that. And also on a weekend where the championship game was fantastic, college game day was there. It was really the conference, the best conference championship game. I mean, it was the most fun and competitive conference championship game. When you look up and down the line, all the games that happened, SEC blowout, ACC blowout, Big Ten blowout. Uh, Pac-12 turned into a blowout, right? And so the the Big 12 put on the show that really it's been putting on the whole season. Um, and TCU, the resume held up, and I think it's huge for the respect of the of the league moving forward. It's a great weekend. It's a great weekend because Kansas State was a deserving Big 12 champion in that game, and TCU a deserving college football playoff competitor. And so I think this thing really, you know, it, it couldn't have gone uh, much. I mean, obviously 13, that was great for respect or whatever or not, but like, they would have been in the same spot they were in anyway. You know, they're kind of just in the same spot. We saw how much it meant to Max Duggan yesterday, obviously crying and saying, I wanted to get this one. That was that was gut-wrenching to watch. But still, you know, you, you can't argue with this being a successful weekend for the conference. Well, and Brett Yormark is is really obviously plugged into the marketing part of it. But, I mean, bigger than the, the collab with BAPE and kind of all the different things that they had going on around the football game is just the fact that you've had two straight Big 12 championship games now between teams that are going to stay in the league and Kansas State and TCU and Baylor and Oklahoma State that I'm, I'm sure, you know, I haven't seen the numbers yet, but I'm sure got really good ratings and were good football games. Like, you know, right. Baylor um, holding Oklahoma State there at the goal line, Kansas State winning that game in overtime. And, yeah, now TCU gets to move on to college football playoff. Hopefully Kansas State can equip themselves really well in the Sugar Bowl. I'm sure they will. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a great time for the league, and I, I think that, uh, the fact that the quality of the football is really high is is the biggest selling point right now for the Big 12, along with the fact that everyone seems pretty united and seems to be kind of pulling for each other. And that's one of the annoying things about SEC fans, but it's also one of the reasons why they have such a strong national brand, along with all that winning, is because they just kind of carry themselves as the big bad bully that everybody wants to be uh, you know, rolling with. Right. Yeah. It's, it's always funny to hear like those SEC. I mean, they, they hate each other so much, but they always, they're always like SEC, SEC, the chance of games, whatever, and whatnot. Uh, make sure you guys get your comments in. You guys can, uh, can leave them in the chat and I can even put them up here. We get one from West Virginia guy. This is great for the future of the big 12 completely agree with that sentiment. And just for like this team, right. Um, it's really interesting to watch a team lose like they did yesterday. Cause you know, there was no sense of, um, oh, you know, like we don't need this game. We don't have to have this game. I mean, with the way Max and Max Duggan in a loss, like I, 
I think he's going to get more Heisman votes than we think because of the way he looked yesterday. I mean, it was he was putting it all on the line, blood, sweat, I mean, tears. He actually had all three, right? Yeah. He, we saw all three from Max lying on the field, the oxygen. I mean, just doing everything he could. And after the game saying, we want, you know, I don't know about the playoff, but like, man, we wanted that badly. And, um, you know, now they have to reset and get ready for Michigan, which I think is this really interesting challenge for a team that hasn't had to do that all year. But funny enough, Stephen, it's actually a group that has had to reset, right? Think about the amount of guys on this roster that were on the team when Gary, you know, Gary left and had to get a new coach and Max had to reset after losing the job and had to reset after getting the job back. And and this is a group that they haven't had to reset much this year, but they actually have generally speaking throughout their time at TCU, which I think makes this challenge very, very interesting for them against Michigan. Well, you know, Max has fought through a lot of adversity individually with the heart condition and losing Mm -hmm. the starting job. But, I mean, I think, it, yeah, yesterday meant a ton for the, these seniors because Max talked about it like they didn't, they hadn't played in a bowl game up to this point. Their, their one time they had bowl eligibility in 2020, the game got canceled because of COVID right. outbreak. And so they hadn't lifted a trophy together. And this was an opportunity to do that. They missed out on that in the Big 12 title game. Now they'll have an opportunity to kind of bounce back and, and give their best shot against Michigan and try to make it to the national title game. Uh, but as far as fighting through adversity and just sticking with it, I mean, like, all those cliches, they are cliches, but this TCU team has – I mean, they've stood up, and, you know, they, they've they never gave in. They've won a lot of close games. So I don't think that they're going to be overwhelmed by the moment or, um, you know, roll over if Michigan suddenly gets out to a big lead. But it is a really fascinating matchup, Josh, because, yeah. I mean, you've watched this, this TCU team a lot. Do you think I, – I think people kind of underrate their physicality, and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot the next yeah. few weeks about how Michigan's just going to run over them. And, I mean, listen, look, that's what Michigan does. But how do you kind of see that battle in the trenches and that style of play for TCU? Um, because they have – I mean, they've played some physical teams this year, and they've held up pretty well. This will be another test with a, a Big Ten opponent like Michigan, though. So th- this is the battle, right? This is where this game, I mean, this is many college football games. And I, I do think actually at points, I'm not necessarily sure this game yesterday, uh, the, the K-State TCU game was actually one. I mean, obviously the goal line stops in the end, like being right. one line of scrimmage, sure. But I think that was more of a play calling issue. And we don't like to armchair quarterback, but like, Sneak, right? Yeah, sneak. you gotta sneak That's, the ball once. Sneak, yeah, sneak is or well, run to the edges at least. Do something right. other than just I run. keep the ball and whatever you do, keep the ball in Max's hands. He was red hot. I know he was tired and gas, but like they were having success with whatever Max was doing there in that fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And that's not unlike the Baylor game, which was you know the obviously most harrowing game of their season at that point. Um Michigan is an excellent team when it comes to stopping the run, and they do a very good very good job up front blocking, right? Think about where Michigan has lost in the last calendar year, right? Or you know, in the last calendar year, yeah, being fair. It's it, the one game they lost was to Georgia. Georgia was actually the more physical team. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just it was strength on strength, and one team had a bit more in terms of guys going to the league and guys who can block and tackle and do those things. TCU, you know, is really gonna have to do a good job, I think. Um, and they're gonna have to do some different things. What they did yesterday with some of their three-man fronts, they can't do that in this game. Like, they're going to have to add more guys. 
and commit more guys the running game. Um, the one thing I think that's good news for them is that there's not a ton of concern when it comes to the wide receiver matchups, in my opinion, right? When you've got Newton and you got Hodges Tomlinson, um, I think for them, that's really good news. We're talking about getting guys like Ronnie Bell on the outside, right? So like you're, I'm not overly concerned about them committing a lot more to stopping the run because I like their chances on the outside in terms of coverage. So that's good news. But they're going to have to do different. They have to do something different because Michigan did an excellent job. We saw it yesterday controlling the line of scrimmage. And Kansas State did a very good job. Mm-hmm. controlling the line of scrimmage. I thought they were excellent when it came to just kind of stopping, you know, the, you know, the, the power running game with Kendra thought they were excellent for, and not just in the very end of the game, they really did a good job against Kendra yesterday. A lot of the rushing success for TCU came with Max Duggan and some of it was by design. Some of it was improvisation, but I think that this game is going to be a line of scrimmage game because we've seen the games where Max has struggled and he was under some duress yesterday. But Texas is the one that comes to mind. They pushed TCU around up front for most of the game, had a lot of success. So, you know, in some places, some games, Stephen, it's not super complicated about how things get, you know, how this, these games are won. And if TCU wants to win this game, they're going to have to do more in a line of scrimmage. They're not going to be able to fall into a hole that Michigan control of the clock and try to fight their way out of it. Well, in, in this coaching staff, I don't think they did a good job of this yesterday, but they have to commit to – Okay, it, it's you have matchups on the outside. You feel like you have some advantages there. You want to take shots down the field, but you got to pick your spots a little bit more. You have to have some more outlets, some more, you know, in the short passing game. Use those tight ends like Jared Wiley and, J- and Jacavius Spivey um, that are such big targets to get the ball out a little faster. Because Andrew Coker and Brandon Coleman, their tackles, those are the guys that have struggled at times this year, and it's been against better defensive fronts, and Michigan possesses that ability. Um, and they'll have some time to figure this out, but I don't think you can just sit back and they, they hit some big plays yesterday, but Max also took a lot of big hits and there were sacks and negative plays as well. Um, feaster famine is just not going to work in, in this playoff game. You're gonna have to control the ball a little bit more, but yeah, I mean, I I think they can hold up, but you're right. It's, it's gotta be committing more to the run game and and trusting those corners and safeties a little bit more in the secondary. Cause if you just want to run base fronts and have three down linemen, and let those you know guards get up to the second level so easily, it could be a long day because that's what Michigan wants to do. And um, even with uh, with Blake Chrome out, they can they can run the football against anybody. And I'm not going to take anything away from Blake Corum here, but we saw yesterday like a lot of the success that Michigan has. And once again, Blake Corum's excellent, but we're seeing it now. You know, a lot of it's function of an offensive line. I mean, Donovan Edwards was 25 for 185 and a score yesterday, and we saw him in the previous contest against Ohio State, 22 for 216. Against Rutgers, 15 for 109. Against Penn State, 16 for 173. I mean, we're not just mentioning, you know, bad teams. Let's mention there's some of the upper echelon, besides Rutgers, the upper echelon of teams that they've played this year and a lot of success for not just Corum, but for the backup guys rushing the football. And look, we saw like, Illinois made it, made it very difficult on them. That's probably the one game go back and look at. So TC's got to do some different things on the defensive side. And, um, you know, I thought yesterday they did a really good job with Will Howard. I thought they did a good job kind of mm-hmm. um, some at, at times I wish they brought a bit more pressure. I, I, at yeah. times I, I think the three man rush stuff, I, I didn't love all of it. 
I think they did enough sometimes of making him uncomfortable. Although Horton has had a little sequence there where he was kind of on fire for a second. Yeah. Um, but they have to do a little bit more than that. And we saw McCarthy make a mistake yesterday. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. They're going to have to do more to force more of that. On offense, for them, yeah, the question is, can you run the football? Because we've seen that be such an equalizer for them in the games where they've really come on strong and started to dominate, right, and pull things away. Like, I think about that game that they had, um, you know, later on in the game against Texas, right? You know, what allowed them to win and then seal the game, go ahead and then seal the game, was the rushing attack. Texas Tech, mm-hmm. they were able to rush the ball effectively second half. You know, because you and I talked about the kind of stretches of time where they won't run the football as much. They were able to do it very effectively in some of those games. Not yesterday. They need to find a way to do that because it's such a big part of their offense. It can't just be all Max. As yeah. good as Max has done, like, he's so good because it complements the rushing game. And it's like, all right, let me make plays when we need them. And, and I'll, make them, I'll make them in bunches. But it can't just be him chucking the ball all around. He's not C.J. Stroud. He yeah. is not Bryce Young. He is a Heisman finalist. He is special. But it's like, look, we have to do rush and pass and, and work in concert. And then in the fourth quarter, when it's close, you give me the rock and I'll, 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 make, I'll make it happen. But it's got to be all of us together doing it because I think that's the thing about Max yesterday was so important. That was, a, that was all Max. That was all Max yesterday. And that's not going to work against Michigan. No, it really felt with about like 10 minutes left in the game. They just kind of went to desperation mode and it was just right. spread it out, like like throw deep. And if it's not there, Max, make it happen with your legs. But Kendra Miller has to get going. And I mean, he's a guy with over 1,100 yards this season. So uh, the last few weeks, he hasn't been as effective, but they have to find a way. You're right. They have to find a way to run the football with Miller, with DiMercato. Um, you know, they've, they've used Trent Battle out of the backfield in some creative ways this year. It's got to be part of their offense. One, just to be effective and stay efficient and stay out of the chains. But number two, I mean, you're, you're facing a really physical offense. You have to give this defense a chance to breathe, to recover, to you know make their regular substitutions. Uh, because Michigan's planning on in the fourth quarter just leaning on you. And TCU's right. done that to a certain extent this year, but that's what Michigan does. So you have to kind of equalize that time of possession while trying to score as, as efficiently as possible. And uh, it can't just be Max going on those QB power runs three or four times a game. Yeah, the good news for TCU is they're going to get a full month to to recover and recoup. They need that, right? I mean, uh, you know, um, it's it's going to benefit both teams, but for TCU, people forget this. TCU's been playing since September, let's see, it was 24th? Yeah, maybe? it's 11, 11 straight games. 11 straight games mm-hmm. they've played. And once again, ridiculous crap that their bye was in week three of the season after Colorado and Tarleton. I mean, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And look, ever since then, Stephen, I mean, they played all power five schools, right? Well, they played SMU, but like SMU's a rivalry game right. on the road, an emotional game. So basically it was SMU who's, you know, I mean, they're better than some power five schools, right? It's not like a pushover G5 school. And the rest of the way, it was all that big 12 slate. And they made it through all the way. They lose that one game. I mean, this shows you how good they were. They made it all the way through and they lost the one game by three points in a game they could have won. So I think they've got the ability to keep this thing close. The one thing I dislike, I mean, it's great that we're going to, to see them at full strength and healthy and whatever. I hate the fact that we have to wait 27 days because I don't think it lets stuff play out naturally the way that we think football. Like, you know, if it was two weeks, that'd be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. If they were to play this game in on the 18th, I think it'd be a perfect time to wait or the 17th, whatever. 
But the fact we're waiting to the 31st to play this game, um, I think the one thing that does show up in games like that, though, is playmakers, right? Like the one thing when you've got so much time to prepare for each other, some of those games sometimes can come down to talent. And I know Michigan's got a ton of talent, but this TCU team has got a, a has guys talent at the right spots, right? They've got the quarterback. They've got the star wide receiver. They've got great wide receivers, plural. They've got guys, you know, they've got a running back who's a star. They have got guys on the, on the defense who are athletic and can make plays and, you know, force turnovers. So I think the one thing for them is these aren't just like stars in context of the Big 12, right? Trey Hodges Tomlinson is a first-round talent as a cornerback. Quentin Johnson is a first-round talent as a wide receiver. Kendrick Miller is a legitimate NFL um, you know, running back. So they've got equalizers at skill positions, which is huge, I think, right now for them when you look at this game against Michigan. Um, and so that's something to me that I think is encouraging on the TCU side, while I think the overall matchup does, does favor the Wolverines. No, I'd agree with that. I mean, both coaching staffs are going to have a ton of time to scheme things up. So, and, and also have a ton of time to put some new wrinkles in, whether that be right. formations. Maybe some how about that flea flicker against against Michigan last <laughs> night? That the fake one against. I mean, they got to find some versions of that, right? That's what TCU needs to find. Get right. They do. I mean, they got to find something to to use that speed they have on the edges and on the outside right. to use it as an advantage. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's been a lot of talk about this TCU team like their Cincinnati from last year. And I'll do respect to Cincinnati. I know Sauce Gardner was there. I know they had some other really good players. But, I mean, this is a group with legitimate, you know, four and four-star talents with guys that are potential first or second yeah, round. Yeah, few, few, few more blue chips on this team than Cincinnati's team. Yeah, man for man, I mean, I think they can they can hang. It's just going to come down to execution and, you know, what this, what this coaching staff can kind of do over the next few weeks to um, – make sure they're ready to rock, but they can, they can play with Michigan. It's it's not going to be a team that's just completely overwhelmed and they got to find a way to get their, their playmakers in space and get them the ball more uh, on December 31st. Cause that's going to be a huge part of this football game. And kind of wrapping up here. I mean, what, what does this mean for the future of TCU obviously getting in there? I mean, what, what does this mean you think for Sonny Dykes for trying to keep Garrett Riley and trying to keep Joe Gillespie? Because we saw this last year happen with, with, you know, uh, Oklahoma state, right? I mean, I, I think very much Jim Knowles, you know, Jim Knowles a bit older, right? But Garrett Riley is a guy who's the red hot coordinator right now off this team. And while his decision making was curious yesterday, and I think there's been different times where his decision making has been curious this year. Um, there's another school in the state of Texas that desperately needs an offensive coordinator and could pay top dollar. Uh, what do you think, like, what are the implications right now for the CFP trip, this team? What, what are we kind of taking stock of at the moment for TCU? It's significant. I feel like the the aspect of Sonny that I didn't understand well enough when he took the job was he's he's a great CEO. Yeah, like that's that's really what he excels at. Very laid back, lets people do their jobs. Sometimes I would like him to maybe get a little more involved in the offense play <laughs> calling than he has been, but I, I understand that's not how he operates. That's just he's going to let the OC and DC do their thing. So um, I think it is big for keeping Riley and Gillespie. You know, Gillespie, that, that Tulsa job, I believe, is still open. So I'm not sure how interested they are in him, but there's some ties there. Uh, and then from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, they're sitting currently with a top 20 class. They have a big recruiting weekend coming up on uh, December 9th where they're going to host a lot of 2023 and 2024 kids. So that momentum continues. They seem to understand 
the transfer portal really well. So I, I believe they'll be involved with that. Um, it's it's fascinating. I think every Big 12 team that's sticking around has a case and can make the case for we can be the, the dominant force. Right. And maybe it ends up being that there's not really one. Maybe it's like – But as we saw years. this year with Oklahoma State and Baylor – and as soon as I made the case that Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy are the standard, right. I mean, it can fall apart so fast. And that's it's so funny because we've heard about Baylor, and there's mm-hmm. a good there's a, the the case for Baylor and Oklahoma State's a great one, right? Because Baylor, we've seen Art Bryles, we have seen um, Matt Rule, and we've also now seen Dave Randall all come in there in the last 10, 12 years and win ten plus games. Mike Gundy, what he's built at Oklahoma State, sustainable. Uh, people are talking about Kansas State right now. Can they hang around, right? And then now it's okay. Oh, TCU. To me, when we discuss all of those, Stephen, TCU has the best case for it being sustainable because of their location. Yeah, Like we saw yeah. what GP did, and he's a unique guy and he's a different guy, kind of elevating this program all the way through. But you're able to get a different level of athlete at TCU. Mm-hmm. It's a school with a lot, I know, I know a huge alumni base, but they got a lot of money. Right, they're in a great location for both portaling and for local talent in terms of recruiting, and they, you know, there's not just one way to skin a cat there, right? We've seen GP do it with defense and put, and not just you know, good team putting guys in the league. We're now seeing them do it with both, I'd say, offensive defense. But this is more of an offensive inclined team, I think, is really their strength, and do it with star players there. I think it's a bit more sustainable for those reasons. Do you do you agree when you compare it to places like? Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State, where I think it's like, hey, you can be around eight and four, seven and five, and you know, eight and four, eight and four, eight and four, eleven and one, ten and two, twelve and zero, kind of that elevation as opposed to being consistent, nine and three, ten and two, much like Oklahoma Sooners were for a long time. I agree. I think it is a place where you can maybe you know flirt with that blue blood territory of being a ten win team consistently, and that sort of being your standard. I think one factor about this too. And and I don't know. I just I'm always skeptical. Sonny's kind of a job hopper. Not a bad thing. I mean, right. a lot of coaches are. But you know, he he went and did the cow thing that didn't work out. And then he was at SMU. And I mean, really, the first kind of opportunity he got to to move on, he did. Um, and so we'll see how that plays out over the next few years. I think he does really like it at TCU, and I think he was there in 2017 as an analyst, and he kind of saw the potential of the university and the school. And that's one of the reasons why he took the job. Uh, But you also have to factor in keeping him happy and keeping him around. But uh, it's a school that, and I I don't, I say this with love. I went there. It's not the Ivy leagues. Like they want to be good in athletics. They they care about football and, and basketball. They're about building the facilities. They're working on building a new strength and conditioning center and, you know, nutrition and everything else that kind of comes with that, uh, they're committed to it. And so Jeremiah Donati, I mean, he's out there raising money. They understand. They've been kind of quiet about NIL, but from everything I've heard and seen, these guys are getting taken care of. They understand how this is supposed to work. So uh, I I think there is a potential for them to kind of rise above maybe some of the other tiered schools in the Big 12. All right, uh, Stephen, just kind of one more thing for you. I mean, you know, it's – just like as a TCU football fan, I mean, I, it's, it probably hasn't hit you yet, but it's like they're going to the college football playoff. Like that's, 
I mean, it's significant, no, it's, it's significant yeah. for the league. It's it's another it's it's great to see another first time competitor, right? We're seeing because I believe this year it's see Georgia, Michigan, yeah, TCU is the new first time competitor this year, and it's it's great to see them once again up there, sandwiched around the big dogs, and you know we'll see if they can hang. But getting there is step one. It is. It's a huge step, and I really thought like I'm more of a pessimistic person, so that's part of this. But they had their chance in 2014 and 2015. And there were definitely times the last few years where I thought, man, that was just a missed opportunity. And they might not like, they might not get there again. They might not have the ability to do it, but um, coach Dyke stepped in here in year one and, and got it done. I think a lot of things fell into place, but they also took advantage of what they could. And yeah, for a school with 10,000 undergrads and Mm -hmm. less than a hundred thousand living alumni uh, that spent a lot of years canvassing the conference USA and mountain West and kind of, being out in the middle of nowhere, trying to get back to the power five. It's, it's a really significant moment. And uh, it's, it's super cool that they're going to be playing in the national semifinals. I mean, they're whatever yeah. happens, they're one game away from playing in a national championship game. Right. Uh, Steven Simcox locked on Horn frogs. Where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? You can subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, on Twitter. We're at locked on TCU and wherever you get your podcasts. And Josh, you, you do a great job for the network and you do a great job trying to elevate the rest of, Big 12 host. So I appreciate you, man. Yep. And you guys can find us on Twitter at LO Big 12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Follow the show. Make sure you guys subscribe. If you're new to the channel, you're watching right now, make sure you all subscribe. We're trying to get to 3,000 before. Yeah, 3K uh, before we get to 2023. So help us do that. Find both Locked on TCU, Locked on Horn Frogs, and Locked on Big 12 wherever you all get your podcasts. Once again, Stephen, appreciate it. Glad to see the Big 12 back in the CFP.